Leadership is a primary extension of God's first commission for humanity to rule in His image. Because the world had different ideas about how to lead, Jesus came to model what kingdom leadership looks like. So join me, Julie Lefebvre, and my team of rotating co-hosts as we seek to encourage and equip kingdom leadership on earth as it is in heaven. Welcome to the Kingdom Leadership Podcast. This is Julie Lefebvre, and today I get to welcome my friend and co-host, Jimmy Nickel, to the podcast. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to have you. We Last time, we started sing-songing with each other, and we have avoided doing that this time. It was kind of funny. We realized, why do we do that? It's only in this this space that we start like talking to each other and singing. <laughs> All right. Well, each podcast, we want to kind of follow the framework of starting with experiencing grace and then have a conversation about what uh, our main topic is. And today we're going to be talking about what it has been like to lead in the midst of COVID because to d- this week is the one-year anniversary. Uh, we've been living this for a year. Yeah, I love the idea of our main topic being a conversation each time. I think I was reading in a book, it was a book about reading to your kids, and it was mm-hmm. talking about conversation as an informal exchange of ideas. And I like that in this space because we're not coming here to give everybody all the right answers, but we're coming here to have a conversation. I think I just like calling it that. Yeah, me too. So we're going to have that conversation. And then we like to end with discussing how we can become like Jesus so that we can lead like him. So let's just jump in. Experiencing grace. How have you experienced grace in the in the recent past? I had a just a fun experience this week that I feel like was a just a a gift from God. Mm-hmm. I went to a YMCA that I never go to and I walked in and I was having a little bit of trouble with my account and the person was looking at me a little bit funny and it's always concerning. I know. I thought <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only person that can't scan their app. Um and then he said, "Are you Jimmy?" and I said, "How do you know?" <laughs> or how do you know? <laughs> and he pulled down his mask and he's actually our oldest son is adopted and he has two older siblings and this is his older was his older brother and we we haven't seen him in 3 mm. years and it was a gift because when we first started fostering our son, we could have also taken his brother at the time he was 15. Mm. I was unprepared to parent a teenager. I had not I had didn't have any kids. And so we decided just to take Christopher, and I've often just worried about kind of mm. what the prospects for his brother were, but he he's just doing so good. He's had a steady job for a long time. He has a house on some land. He's getting married in October. And I just, that was just such a life-giving like, gift that day just to see that he's doing so well. Yeah. It's almost just a, a tangible expression of God's promise to go before and to care for people and and that you didn't have to be responsible, you know, that God was still working in the yes. background. Mm-hmm. How about you? How have you experienced God's grace in the last couple of weeks? Mm. It's so good to have to slow down and kind of remember one of the things that I've been feeling is just God's continual pursuit of me, just an invitation to come closer. And I just think, just that, that God, no matter where I am or what I'm uh, feeling or doing, that He's just continually asking me, inviting me to come, to come and be with Him. And 
it's just, yeah, especially after the year we've had, it has just felt like almost a balm to just mm. know that God's saying, you know, right now I just feel more broken in some ways than I have felt in a long time. And that's not enough for him to turn away from me. In fact, it's what is making me maybe even more sensitive to his call to come closer. And so I've just, that's been really healing and life-giving to me just to be able to, yeah, acknowledge that his con- he's continually inviting us close. What does it look like for you to come closer? Uh, that's such a good question. I think for me, it's probably looked like slowing down and taking time to sit still, which honestly has been kind of hard for me because when I get still is when I feel my anxiety more. A couple of episodes ago, I talked, I kind of shared that I've been feeling anxiety more. And so getting still actually um, forces me to feel it a little bit more, but it's also been in that space where I get to just really meditate on God and his promises and his truth. And so I think it's going to take lots of reps probably to kind of walk me through this process. But yeah, that's been one of the ways that I've tried to come close. That's good. Well, that leads us a little bit into the conversation that we want to have today. We are right at the one-year anniversary of the world shutting down due to covid it was one year ago that uh, we were, as a church, we were we were just kind of thinking and planning for Dave's heart surgery, and little did we know that the world was was going to change pretty drastically. And if we would, if we had known that it was going to last this long, I'm not, I, I don't even know <laughs> what we would have been thinking, but. We just think there's a lot of value in taking some time to remember and reflect because we just don't want it to go to waste. And so I think in a way, COVID is going to be one of those historical events where we always remember where we were when we got the news. So that's the first question, Jimmy. Where were you? <laughs> well, I very specifically remember where I was when I got the news that school was canceled for the mm-hmm. rest of the year. I feel like that was the there were other announcements that were kind of scary, but then when word came that the governor had canceled school for the remainder of the year, I was standing in my kitchen cooking dinner and my phone started blowing up with texts from people sharing the news. I thought, this just cannot be. This cannot be. Yeah. I remember that, like I said, we had been just kind of thinking about Dave's surgery. And so I was in the hospital with Heidi and some other people and we were waiting and as we waited, we just kept getting news of all of this COVID stuff. And we started even thinking, should we be here <laughs> in the hospital? Like we started hearing about, you know, how hospitals were going to go on lockdown and life was just going to change. And it was just really uh, scary in some ways. It was just difficult to even plan because there were just so many unknowns. That's so true. You know, we had actually been watching kind of the development a little bit longer because um, Phil and I have spent two summers in Wuhan. So as things were Uh happening there, um, we were noticing. And he had even sent me an article. He sent me an article the day that they shut down their city, which I think was in January. And he just thought it was interesting 
because I can be an anxious person. I thought it was concerning. And <laughs> I've read too many books that, that I've read too much dystopian fiction because too often the end of the world starts with a global pandemic. And uh, so, yeah, it was, I feel like we were maybe a little ahead of the game and just seeing what was coming because we'd been paying attention to what was happening overseas. Right. And so here we are a year later and it wasn't the end of the world. But it definitely made its mark, right? Absolutely. And we've already talked about, you've mentioned how it was so life-changing when we heard about schools getting canceled. But how else were you guys impacted? Well, immediately, um, Phil came home to work. And and when that first happened, I was just so relieved because I felt like, okay, now we can actually like social distance, you know, that we were supposed to be staying away from people. So it was just Do you remember? It was only going to be a two-week thing. Like if everybody could just social distance, stay away from people for two weeks, the virus will die and we can go back to life as normal. If only. Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah. um, Because he's still working at home now. Like that hasn't changed. So um, that was a, that was a big switch. And then the kids being home. I mean, it just felt like, I just remember one of the things I tried to meditate on in the midst of it was that, um, we can expect good things because I think there were so many days where it Mm -hmm. felt like the news just got worse and worse. Right. So every new announcement was harder. So trying to remember that like there could be like that things could get better. I think that was the thing that I kept writing down. Like things can get better because it did not feel like it there for a while. It didn't. The news was always so open-ended. It was like, okay, now we're going to cancel school for, I, I feel like maybe we heard in the very beginning that it was canceled for maybe a week or two, but then automatic and or it, very quickly right. it became, oh no, the rest of the year. And then we kept thinking, okay, well now we, we can get through May, but then other thing, you know, then it's like, oh wait, no, it's going to push into summer. And then we started thinking, oh, maybe the start of school will be normal. And then no, no, no. That and everything just the open endedness of it just felt really difficult to keep thinking that good things could happen. Right. And I feel like I just grieved so much and mostly for mm. what my kids were losing. And I'm I'm yeah. just grateful they were only in kindergarten, but just grieving the loss of I was like, this is the funnest year of school. And they don't yeah. even get to they're missing a whole quarter of it. And then that my girls had just started dance. And I remember just crying and crying that they weren't going to have their recital, which now yeah. doesn't seem quite so big. But boy, in those in first days, all the losses were just piling up. Yeah. And there were so many. I mean, from kindergarten to, to college kids, you know, there were graduations in between there. There were proms. There were music um, concerts. There were all these things that the kids and families had invested pretty heavily in. And then... You know, when our expectations don't follow through or when they're not met, it, it is disappointing. It's a loss. I think another thing that was lost was just the, um, just the, just anything normal, like right. normalcy was gone. So even, you know, going and shopping, I, I, recently was reminded of, you know, you, you couldn't be guaranteed to go to the store and get the things you needed. No. Because shelves were barren. I know that. And it was so unsettling. I think you're seeing the loss, yes, of normal, but also it felt like such a loss of security. Like I yes. didn't realize how much security I got from seeing full shelves at the grocery store. Mm. And even now when I walk in and there's Clorox wipes on the shelf, <laughs> I'm like, this is like manna from heaven. <laughs> like, let's do a happy dance. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we're not you we have lived in a place of plenty where mm-hmm. things were always available. And so I think that contributed to a lot of fear because all right. of a sudden we didn't know if there was going to be food. I remember going and needing to stock up on meat because we thought, we don't know. And I kept thinking, why? Are things gone? And so even just not understanding the why behind what was happening was really unsettling. Yes. I, yes. I'm like, where, how are people eating all this food they're buying? <laughs> where is it it's going? All gone. And the toilet paper, where is the toilet paper going? It, it still confuses me. I don't know. But more important than toilet paper, our structures were completely missing, right? All of these things that had been put in place for our lives to work, to function. You know, we had worked hard to put structures into place for um, schedules, for just our jobs, for our working out, for all the things. All of a sudden, those were gone. Right. And I think those structures are often, I don't think we realized how life-giving those structures were because mm-hmm. you didn't have to plan for so many of these things. We'd already built them into our lives. So you weren't having to make the decision about it. And now all of a sudden (laughs) you had to make decisions about everything. And it was hard. Like I didn't realize how much I relied on that outside structure, Mm -hmm. even with friendships. Like you just have built in times that you see people, whether it's at church or a group, or maybe you go to yoga on Mondays, like it's just already built in and you don't have to plan for it. So having all of that taken away Yeah. It's just so difficult. Like I remember, um, because my kids weren't having to get up and go to school, then that meant that I didn't have to get up a certain time. Well, if I didn't have to get up a certain time, that meant that when do I do my quiet time or when do I get up? And then how does my day unfold? And now I'm not coming into work because we're working from home. And what does that look like? And where do I work? And so I mean, it it just seemed like all of a sudden I had to make decisions about every single little thing, and that was exhausting. Right on top, it was draining. Of, right on top of worrying about what was happening in our world. Sure. So yeah, very exhausting. Sure. And so one of the things I remember you saying early on that helped me was that you had heard something about how you know we keep trying to figure out how to do life the old way in this new world, um, but that you had heard something about a a new way of of doing things. Right. That we were trying to take what had been life-giving and fit it into these new places. And it wasn't, I think, and and then it doesn't work. And then that's discouraging because you know you need these life-giving things like time with God or working out or time with people. We've we've lost our, the things that give us life. And then we feel guilty because we can't, figure out how to make it work in this new world. And I just remember reading, someone had posted that that it was okay, like find out what's life-giving now. And it's mm-hmm. okay if those things are really different from what was life-giving before. That was so helpful to me. And then as I sat, I remember sitting and processing like what actually helps right now. And my first thought was takeout, takeout <laughs> helps. <laughs> like it was one of the times that just felt the best, like Oh, like like you could take a breath again. Yeah. Um, which seems like such a silly thing, but it was really just being able to get Chick-fil-A once a week was yeah. really life-giving. Well, and it kind of makes sense because it was one time where you didn't have to make that decision. Like what exactly. should we make? I mean, I guess you had to decide where to go to take it out, but you didn't have to make the decisions 
that all go into even just preparing a meal. So it, it kind of provided a space of rest. Yes. I think another thing that I realized was very quickly realized was life-giving for me, which I felt like was opposite of what I was seeing people do. Mm. Like, because it, it did, it did cause a lot of anxiety. Like I realized, and you were talking about before, but I just needed to be still. Like, Mm -hmm. like for me to spend time with God during that was looked like just being still and not because all of the other things felt like they added to the anxiety. Like um, trying to um, do too much just made me, it just, yeah, yeah, made me feel more anxious. So just being able to just sit in the chair in my room and be still um, just felt really important. I remember hearing from a lot of people that their quiet times felt really messed up and that reading through their Bibles or doing kind of some of the same things that used to be really life-giving before were just really hard. And I just wonder if if it was just a time where um, the the mental load and the emotional strain of life just made doing those things uh, not filling and to, yeah. So I remember hearing that people said, I just started listening to worship music or did more receiving type activities with God, uh, that those felt more filling in the moment. Um, Not that they, you know, walked away from God's word, but they just tried to engage it in different ways. Maybe. I think another thing that I, we had no control over, but I Mm. remember looking back, like the importance of sunshine during those days, like the days where the sun shone were felt completely different from the days that it didn't. Mm -hmm. And really looking back, I feel like we, that God just gave us a beautiful spring last year too, that there really weren't that many days that we couldn't be outside, which the fresh air, sunshine just really was became one of the top priorities. Yeah. I don't think I've ever taken so many walks in my life. In fact, didn't you guys like log a hundred miles or something? Yes. I walked with a friend in June a hundred miles, which was again, just another very life-giving thing. Right. It did become life-giving. You know, one of the things that I think back over those first few months, especially that it was just so interesting how time seemed to stand still. So it it just seemed like every week felt like a month. And it was just so interesting. And I wonder if all of these things that we've been talking to are why, because we were having to process all of these little details that we had never processed before. Um, and, And it just seemed to lengthen the time. I mean, I just remember thinking the months of March, April, and May were the equivalent of several years. <laughs> right. It lasted forever. It even felt longer to me when my kids finished their first quarter of school this fall. So from August to October. Yeah. And I and it was but went by in like a snap. And so I was like, fast. that's not the same. That was not the same <laughs> as March to May. <laughs> it was not the same. You know, one of the things that I think also then resulted from this, you know, especially in the beginning when we're really trying to stay distant and we're staying separate and there was really just isolation was becoming a new normal for us. And, you know, I know we live in a fast paced world and we're always trying to find ways to make connections, but the world kind of slowed down and stopped. And, but that included relationships just because connections were so, so much more difficult to make happen. And so, yeah, talk about that a little bit in your experience. How did the lack of interaction affect you? Yeah, well, I think early on, again, I think this is probably just 
God's grace to me. I feel like very early on, yeah. I contacted you, and I remember sending a text to my group and, and just saying, "I just I need daily. I need to hear from you daily, yeah. um, because this is not going to be okay <laughs> yeah. without that." And so I think having a handful of people who I was committed to interacting with very regularly um, helped. I needed. I already knew that I needed interaction with people mm. outside of my immediate family, that it couldn't just be my husband and my kids. Um, but I think asking for that, in some ways it just felt vulnerable because I don't ever want to be too much. And it felt like asking for right. a lot to say, I need daily interaction. But I just do. I think that yeah. um, I wish I had learned that sooner. I wish it had, hadn't taken a pandemic because I think I don't just need it during a pandemic. Right. I think I need it all the time. More. I wish I had realized it when I had babies that 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 wasn't that I wasn't asking too much of people to say, "Hey, I just I need to talk to you every day. <laughs> I, I need input." Mm-hmm. You know, until a year ago, I had refused to download Marco Polo. I said, "There is no way I want to look at myself when I'm talking <laughs> to people." But the pandemic changed me. Uh, because I realized the same thing. Like I need to be able to see people. I need to hear their voices. I need to have that type of interaction. And it really was life-giving when you made that ask. Uh, it helped me to realize that I needed the same thing. And it's not like we had to have, you know, deep conversations every time, you know, half the time it was just, Hey, what are you doing today? Right. How are you surviving? Did your kids like the school lunch that was provided for free? <laughs> I forgot to mention that as a very life-giving thing. It was free life-giving. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, it was just, yeah, we need, we're made for relationship. And so uh, we need to find ways to access that. Okay. So let's take a, a little time now to intentionally shift to thinking about what did leading through this pandemic feel like cost us? What did it, what was the experience? You know, I think initially when everything was canceled, Mm-hmm. It felt like it would just be easier to cancel group yeah. two. I mean, just that how do we do still keep this thing in the midst of everything else stopping? Um, yeah. How do we learn how to do Zoom? Like, I didn't even know what Zoom was a year ago. <laughs> I had never used it. Um, but just it felt like a lot to make it happen. But it also, on the other hand, felt really necessary. Yeah. Um, to keep going and to keep some sense of community in this very yeah isolated world we were living in. Yeah. I think it it was so tempting to just call it all off because already everything else was so hard and now if we were going to keep doing this group thing that was going to be harder and who had any extra energy for that. But in some ways then yeah like you said it was kind of the answer to in some ways it was a way for people to stay connected and to receive what what they really needed. And so, yeah. So our very first time that we did Zoom, we didn't have, no one had the executive account or whatever it is yet. <laughs> so we had our 40 minute, 45 minute time frame. Session. Yes. And I know like the group very abruptly ended when someone was mid-sense and that was it <laughs> because we did not know what we were doing yet. We're done. <laughs> yeah. And again, I think one of the things that made it so difficult was just that now we had to make decisions about everything with group. So are we going to do Zoom? Can we meet outside? If we do meet outside, are we going to wear masks? Uh, at that point, I don't think masks were in the beginning. They weren't mandated yet. So it, the decisions were left up 
to leaders. And that was really intimidating. It was really hard to be able to make decisions that, yeah, for your whole group. Absolutely. And I think, I remember thinking early on, like I can be confident in the decisions I'm making for me and for my family. Like I'm doing my best to make wise decisions, you know, Phil and I for our family. But then with group, all of a sudden we were making decisions that affected other people. And you, you know, you couldn't make everyone happy. Like, I mean, even now, I think we have groups, right, that that run the whole gamut as far as what their comfort level is with um, group meetings. And so it was just so much harder when those decisions involved others and not just your family. You know, I'm somebody who really values being a consistent person, having consistency Mm. in my world. And I have felt like I have been the most uh, inconsistent over this time period, because the decisions I made for my family or for myself were very different than the decisions that we made for, let's say, Westridge as a whole um, because of that. I mean, it just felt so much harder to make the decisions that were going to to affect so many people. For sure. And yeah, it was just challenging. I remember after about a month of meeting over Zoom for group that I remember just wishing I would have started from the Mm. beginning saying at the beginning of each group that we're all doing our best and that group's not going to be a place where we judge each other in their decisions. Everyone's making, you know, wise and good decisions for their family. Because even then, just the I remember even that just decision to get takeout seemed kind of controversial. It was. Yeah. That's just hard. It's hard when everything else is already hard to then be worrying about that in your group life. That can I even tell people that I ate Chick fil A today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, am I going to be judged? And what we're talking about is is group still a place mm. of where we communicate grace, that we are for and with each other, even if we are making different decisions about how to walk through this process? It's been a great training ground, if you think about it, for how do we do this in such an emotionally charged time? And it's interesting. It continues. You know, I think it does. now I feel like we're, we've already seen it um, in regard to vaccinations at group because we yeah. have people who have very different opinions about it. And so I think I probably still should be saying that today. Like we are all mm. like we could start every group that way. Like we're all doing our best and trying to make wise decisions and yeah. yeah, be for and with each other and not... That's really yeah, good. Judge one another's decisions. I do think that one positive that came out of this, I was asking another group leader kind of their experience of leading through a pandemic. And she shared that in some ways it, it leveled the playing field for people, right? Like mm. everybody was going through something hard. And so I think even for group members to see that group leaders were also struggling, vice versa, it just it increased the vulnerability because there was no one who wasn't struggling. Like this, no one was unaffected by this. So. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, it it raised <laughs> the emotional trauma. Like everybody was going through a trauma in one way or another. So it, it, it normalized it and then maybe made it safe for people to be able to express what was hard. Really, that's one reason why I'm just so grateful for group life because it gave people a space to bring the broken stuff to. You know, for several months, we couldn't gather as a church family. We couldn't show up here as a church, but groups provided a place for people to connect, even if it was just over Zoom it was still a place for people to show up and think about what was happening on the inside of them and share it with a with their safe people 
So I'm just so grateful to leaders who persevered and who didn't quit, who were able to say, I'm going to lean in, even if it's not the way I would have chosen, or, you know, even every week, this isn't playing out the way I would hope I'm having technology problems, I'm whatever, but it still was a space for people to come. And I think in some ways we've had more group participation than ever before, partly because people have just needed it. Yeah. I know our group, I think we were reading a book together. I think maybe the guys kept reading the book, but the girls just abandoned the book. (laughs) Like we just needed a place to be with people and group became that. And then um, we continued to meet through the summer and it looked different and it, it was usually outside then and it wasn't you know quite on the same schedule. It was as we could squeeze it in between activities, but no one wanted to stop. Like again, it was still the kind of safe space mm-hmm. to be with people. Yeah. And then in that space, I think the pandemic propelled us toward training in new ways because it just was this crucible experience. It, Dave talked about it, I think early on that It was as if all of our impurities were squeezed to the surface of our lives and we were forced to deal with it. And it was just, it was there for us to see very clearly and then decide, okay, how am I going to skim these off? I know. I think one of the, I remember that sermon so well, and I remember (laughs) it helped me understand I was really struggling with parenting at the time and it helped me understand that I was struggling Mm -hmm. I thought I was just struggling because I was with them every minute of every day, (laughs) which was part of it. But their impurities were also coming to the surface. This was a crucible experience, not just for adults. It was for kids too. And so it was just good for me to know that. I know that's not about leading group, but it is about leading our family that um, how do we, yeah, how do we address those? But how do we also, yeah, love them give them grace through it as all that is coming to the surface. Yeah. Um, Whether it's your kids, whether it's your coworkers, I mean, everybody that we all interacted with was having the same crucible experience. And then I think the challenge, you know, now that we're a year out, how do we not miss it? How do we not go Mm. away from the mirror and forget what we look like? Because I think things are, they're not normal, but they're certainly more comfortable than they were. You know, life doesn't feel quite so hard. Um, But how do we not just, yeah, walk away from those impurities? And I think in some ways, as we're rounding the corner of this year and we're we're going to be kind of walking through a lot of the memories Mm. as each year anniversary kind of kind of goes through as this week passes and then as we pass into the summer months and we're going to be remembering and reflecting. And there's probably going to be space where God's even going to continue to reveal some of the things that maybe now Mm. we can handle that we couldn't before when we were in survival mode. And so we just, yeah, we just recognize that we're just really touching the surface (laughs) of what life has been like to lead this past year. But I think we can all agree that it has been incredibly difficult. It stretched us outside of our comfort zones uh, because we've had to do things we never thought we would have done And I think we've grown in ways that we would have never anticipated. And we just trust God to continue Mm -hmm. to lead us through that. And so we just want to encourage all of us to take time, maybe this week, to reflect and remember, to think about the ways that God was present in all of the hard things over this past year. So let's just take a couple minutes and and do that mm-hmm. here. Jimmy, how how do you look back and see that God was with you? Mm-hmm. I think 
One of the clearest ways that I see how he was at work even before March 2020 mm. um, is through our uh, oldest son's marriage. And he mm. got married in December 2019. And we were really, we were actually really hoping he'd wait until March of 2020. And then all of this happened. And, you know, he had already moved out. He and his wife were kind of more established. And then um, his room was available when my husband came home to work, which <laughs> mm-hmm. with three small children for him to have a room in the basement where he could shut yeah. the door and work. Um, and also just not having our oldest son who would have had to keep going to work, coming in and out of the house, mm-hmm. you know, when we were trying so hard to kind of be yeah. isolated in those early days. Like I remember just being kind of blown away that like God knew so much better than I did mm-hmm. what a good plan was for he, for his wife, and him together for our family. And I'm just now I'm able to look back and be grateful, even though really like in January, February, March, I was still really wrestling yeah. with all of that and kind of the the quick timing of it. But I'm sure. just so thankful now for how God made a way for all of yeah, this. Yeah, he really did just go go before you. Mm-hmm. And those and remembering those things help us when we're in the middle of something and don't see his him clearly going before us but we know bottom line he's he's in this he's he's leading the way he's good he has a good plan for us mm-hmm. well with every episode we always want to wrap up by thinking about becoming like him like Jesus so that we can lead like him even after and maybe especially after a year like this one and one thing that we know about God and Jesus is that he intentionally pursued relationships, both with his father and with his community, with the people that he walked with every day. You know, and this is just such a lesson from the pandemic, which we talked about earlier, just how Mm. deep our need for relationships go. Yeah. And maybe you don't need every day, but you, I just would venture to guess that most people need it more than what we think we do. Yeah. More than once a week, really. Right. Definitely more than Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. And so this just brings, it it makes me ask the question, what are my needs for relationship? Well, and we know that groups can't meet every need, Mm -hmm. but I think, yeah, this is a question. um, If you lead a group, this is a question you could take to your group to ask them that very thing. What are your needs for relationship? And also, even though groups can't meet all of those needs, what can the group do? Like what where maybe could we do better even within our groups of building relationships? Yeah. You know, it's one of the things that I feel like I struggle in. You know, I can show up and lead the study and and do my stuff on Wednesday morning at 530, but sometimes I struggle with the follow up. And so I think even just like you said, going to your group and saying, hey, what what would help you guys? Like what's one thing that we could add, you know, one, one thing a month or one thing, a whatever, or should we pair up and, you know, have you guys connect with each other and just get ideas from, from your group. Yeah. That'd be great. You know, one of the things too, that I think when we talk about making those connections is that, you know, when you and I talked daily, it's not like, again, we talked about this really deep stuff. A lot of times it was, Hey, what are you making for supper (laughs) or tell me some of the, you know, just regular life stuff, because it's kind of the, how can I walk with you in regular life? And then those things often open up to the deeper, deeper issues. Yeah. It's just amazing how, yeah. Knowing like the little regular everyday stuff 
is such a good building block to the deeper stuff that it doesn't, yeah. And so it's just hard if you don't have regular interaction with people. I feel like then it's hard once a week to be like, hey, let's go deep when you don't know the the shallower stuff. Yeah. And, you know, we've kind of focused on building relationships with each other and we never want to forget that Mm -hmm. ultimately the relationship we need to be focused on is a relationship with Christ. And so we've kind of hinted at it off and on throughout the morning, mm-hmm. but really just being able to find time to be with Jesus. And and we're going to probably keep saying this, but we we don't stand a chance to become like Him unless we find time to be with Him. And so whatever that looks like for you, just want to encourage you, find time to be with Jesus, to interact with him, to talk with him, to listen to him. And I think as I think about what I've gained, the thing I don't want to walk away from the mirror and forget is how much I need him and I need his presence in every single day. Like I do, I may not need to talk with my friend every single day, but Mm. I need Jesus every day. And I just don't want to walk away and forget that. That's so good. Well, before we close, I just want to remind everyone that we are reading the book together, A Gentle Answer by Scott Sauls, and we are going to discuss that on our next episode. That will release on March 29th. So you still have a couple weeks to get a little more read, and we'll have our whole team here to talk about that. So that'll be a fun conversation as we talk about the things that stood out to us from the book. Yes, looking forward to it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. It's it's been both fun and a little bit heavy and but just rewarding to kind of think through and remember the hard things that have happened this past year, but also to recognize God's presence and grace through it all. So we hope that it's been a help to you. We hope that you'll join us again next time. May his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.